as humans, we all have an identity. Awareness of how we see ourselves and how others see us is fundamental to our character. At the highest level, it's our name and our story that identify us as unique people. But the deeper definition of identity is sameness of essential or generic character in different instances, or sameness in all that constitutes the objective reality of a thing. As humans, we tend to identify by certain patterns. We classify ourselves by patterns of sameness. We all have associations and allegiances we make in our heart, things we identify as or by, and these associate us with groups who share these traits. Leveraging myself as an example, when I say I'm Christian, I'm grouped with all the Christians, but then Christadelphian is a smaller subset. Then Christadelphian engineer is yet a smaller subset. In essence, I'm defining how I uniquely identify by associations with patterns or groups of people you have experience with and can understand. Within these identity groups, maybe a faith group, for example, we come to form communities or networks of relationships which are critical for human well-being. Where we identify, there is our actions, our investment, our time, our community. This principle is well summarized in Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As a Christian, personally, my deepest community is the relationship I have within Christadelphia. This is my community. I also, though, have other communities in my life, including engineering groups I participate in and foster relationships with. Some for activity groups of things my families like to do overlanding, camping, biking, and hiking. In our case, many of these communities are outside my Christadelphian identity, but we associate around a pattern of shared interests and, or activities. Where we have community, be it ecclesias, CYC groups, knitting groups, work groups, activity groups, there we have belonging. The community we form around our identify, identity groupings engenders belonging. A Cornell University guidance document summarizes the principle this way. Belonging is the feeling of security and support when there's a sense of acceptance, inclusion, and identity for a member of a certain group. Belonging is a deep human need documented in countless psychological and sociological studies and principles. The sociological trifecta of identity, community, and belonging defined by human connection that has a profound bearing on our life. These concepts are tightly correlated and interrelated, but they also have bearing independently. Our sense of identity is founded on interactions that show our belonging to particular communities through shared beliefs, values, or practices. I propose that this sociological reality is highly intentional to the genius of our Heavenly Father. It's a tool that protected us when times were less secure and agrarian or nomadic than they are today. And it's a native tool that helps us who believe reach those who don't. It's also the fundamental underpinning of the purpose of the church and a valuable reflection to consider our own identities, how and with whom we identify, and how that correlates to our relationship with Christ and the Christadelphian community. Accepting the premise of divine intent in the sociological interplay between our innate identities, the communities we build within them, and how this can fill our need to belong, it's valuable to reflect on our own identity. 
A tool for this is to ask yourself, how do you complete the sentence, I am blank? There's a subconscious pattern I've discovered where I say I am something that I identify with or by. There's other things I say I do, but don't identify as. For example, I am a father. I am an engineer. I am a husband. I am a Christian. I am a sinner. In contrast, I like to mountain bike, though I don't say I'm a biker. I like to run, but I don't say I'm a runner. I like to do outreach, but I don't say I'm a preacher. I encourage you to take a moment for yourself and reflect on how you complete the sentence, I am, for yourself. Create a list of your instinctual patterns of sameness with other humans with which you identify. These do change over time, of course. For a large portion of my life, I was a student, or now a father. Our relationships with friends and our journey through life will, of course, affect these, but consider who you are and where you are now. Keep these close, because as we consider God's intent with these identities for ourselves, it will be relevant to assess the relationship of our faith to these identities and the communities we form within them. Looking at my journey through the epochs of life, I see very different patterns have formed in my communities over time. Raised as a third culture kid with Australian parents living in America, I always had a subtle struggle to fit in. The one place I always felt completely normal was at meeting. I know this isn't everyone's reality, but I always felt the warm and supportive love and acceptance of an extended family in my ecclesia. As such, I had a deep sense of belonging there and didn't need to foster relationships outside of those. Supporting this was the consistent refrain, be in the world, but not of the world, creating for me a very insular worldview. It meant I had limited involvement in my school community. I didn't join any clubs in college. I stayed off campus and I have no friends or lasting relationships from the six, six years I spent. Yes, six years getting a bachelor's degree. This is not to say that I didn't have a profound sense of community and belonging during that era of my life. I had and still have wonderful friend relationships from the time that time during CYC in my ecclesial community, but I built no community amongst the college students. In reflection, I now have a transforming sense of the phrase, be in the world, but not of it. Jesus' timeless prayer for the ages in John 17 brings appropriate clarity to this concept. John chapter 17 and verse 14, I've given them your word, the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Our relationship with the world is not one of arm's length. The destination of Christ's message it, for us in John is not being not of this world. That was the beginning. The destination is in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We are sent into the world. We're to live here now and build communities, not in a way that's swayed by the central power or consuming energies of fruitless human goals. Romans is powerful to this point. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will.
in essence, Christ's sanctifying commission for you and I in our journey of faith, even this many generations after his time, is to invest in this life, to go into, a, into the world in a way that recognizes we have the capacity to transcend the temporal identities and pleasures of this life, and we do so by guarding our hearts with the transcendent insulation of the transformed mind, which protects us from the evil one, our own conceit. Our own conceit results in our being consumed by the temporal, and we thereby become unwilling to sacrifice for the eternal. But we've been given the tools to go into the world with his energy and the insulation of his spirit to protect us. Paul compliments Christ's message to go into the world by encouraging us to execute his commission. He encouraged us, in essence, to realize the divine genius of the sociological reality of our identity groups and their resulting communities for the purpose of sharing the message of Christ in his letter to the Corinthians. Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people, so that by all means, I might save some. Paul was operating objectively here at the nexus of identity, community, and belonging. He's saying that he leveraged his Jewish identity to touch and connect with the Jews and build his community of faith. He used his human capacity to connect and create identity groups around shared patterns. He's choosing to identify with a group for instance, in our case, it could be a work group or a sports group, an ethnic group, a knitting group, a nerd group, and leverage that to create a community and thereby ultimately not just the human value we get from that, that sense of belonging in those moments, but also ultimately share the transforming value of belonging to Christ with those groups. There have been times in my life where I carried a sense of guilt for non-Christian community, I've actively held relationships and natural communities at arm's length or chosen to avoid them. In contrast, I now understand that it's an asset for Christ when we exist and embrace our communities. The strong message in Jesus's pinnacle prayer for us in John 17 is go build communities and relationships. But do what you need to do to guard your hearts from the empty conceit that sees life as the only thing and is the destination. My negative conscience about engagements with the needs and values of my extra Christadelphian community are gone now. I recognize that it's not an insular command. It's a prayer of support to engage in this family first, our Christadelphian community, but also to build community around our passions and interests and leverage our identity for a broad community. We also can't ignore the substance of Christ's caveat, that he's praying not that we're taken out of the world, but that we're protected from the evil one. Personally, I guard my heart from the evil one by having an invested stake in the Christadelphian community. 
and the intentional support system for feeble sinners. I need you to stay focused. I need the energy and support I get from this community to have the strength to be sent into the world without being swayed by its hedonistic energies. Weekly meetings, deep friendships, social gatherings with my local group, engaging articles and ideas and studies all provide the strength I need to stay strong in my faith while ministering to my communities outside this community. We summarize the divine intent of community with respect to our faith by combining Paul's message in the Corinthians with his active and intentional leveraging of his community identities with Jesus's prayer in John. And we conclude ultimately our individual communities are precious to Christ. There is clearly a special place for the community of faith with the family of God, but also our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues, our clubs, whatever associations we innately possess or those we've chosen to foster are all precious to Christ. Considering how Christ chose to identify and what community he fostered is helpful in completing the picture of the principles of identity, community, and belonging from a scriptural perspective. Our Lord identifies as a Jew. He associates with his story, his Jewish lineage. He engaged deeply with that cultural and social identity by participating in it. He leveraged it, built relationships with the synagogue, even at 12 years old. He was present in all aspects of the social life and cultural festivals of a Jew. By that social identification, he garnered tremendous insight and credibility to address his dysfunction. He was not one crying out in the wilderness. Instead, he was in the synagogue, his voice within Jerusalem declaring true faith. He was actively touching lives by being in the contemporary world, not insular from it. And he was active in his community where he was very explicit about his identity for us. Let's apply the I am test to Christ's own words. Look at how Christ uses the phrase I am and chooses to identify. Christ says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Christ identifies as a shepherd. As such, he's a protector and savior. Reflecting back to John 17, he manifests this identity in prayer when he says, protect them. There are manifold ways he manifests us, he manifests this identity, but none more powerfully than on the cross. In putting himself in harm's way and standing directly between the natural consequences of our sin and its mortality and suffering, mortal personal harm for our protection. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Growing up raising livestock, the gate principle is palpable to me. It's the thing that divides. It keeps the flock in and the predators out when needed, but it also releases the flock to pastures for fulfillment. It represents Christ as the protector, but also the coach and director, standing between us and threats, but encouraging us to be strong in adventuring for him. Similar to the shepherd identity, it also carries the idea of leadership. I am the true vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, 
you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The vine is the community anchor. It provides structure and delivers energy to the branches, empowering and supporting them in bearing fruit. Christ is the structural element of support for us and a channel for energy and sustenance. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. There's a beautiful metaphor here of the network of relationships between ourselves and the eternal. The image here is one of sequential reliance. From our reliance on Christ as the vine and Christ's reliance on the eternal as the channel of provision. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Again, we see Christ associating with the entity that gives and provides what we desperately need. We see provider in this, we see a sustainer, but we also see a comforter, an entity rendering direct care for our basic needs, but with an overtone of also caring about our emotional and temporal well-being. Provider, sustainer, comforter. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Light is a universal symbol of hope. And by hope, we can taste peace. And with peace, we can feel joy. Christ is the foundation of hope. There's an energy and dynamo to this phraseology with Christ as the motivator and the energizer. It also fits the metaphor of Jesus as the light. And we are the reflection that shines him into the world. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes on me will live even though they die. Jesus identifies as our savior. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus identifies as our channel to the eternal. In all of these, Jesus is building a community. All of his I am's correlate to his community of leadership, coaching, shepherding, protecting, encouraging, and serving unto death. I'm inspired to look at Jesus' associations as I consider my own, to see his generous and giving supporting roles while feeling his invitation to join his community. It's both inspiring and instructive to consider that he was intentional in building the most wonderfully inclusive community he was preaching the self-same message to publicans, centurions, sinners, and Pharisees alike. He's invited us to have our sense of belonging beside him in a transforming way. The invitation to belong to the community of Christ is warmly open. It has the power to both fill us emotionally and spiritually with human companionship and support, and also provide for us the strength we need to also engage our temporal communities and reflect Christ therein. As a final compliment to considering our own identities and how Christ self-identified is to ask yourself, how does God identify us? How does God know us? How does God describe us? How does the eternal power of the universe see our unique and individual patterns of sameness?
We're given some insight into this in Colossians. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There are a handful of different images of the atonement principles given in Scripture, but the essence I take is that our decision to associate with or to identify with Christ and his work and sacrifice is the Creator's invitation to grace. God, in his eternal grace, identifies us with that pattern of sameness of his Son in being redeemed. In association with Christ, in taking the spirit and principles of Christ into our being, we are seen as Christ. I am the living body of Christ, not just a Christian, but an actual manifestation of the living body. Such a powerful and moving metaphor for us to embrace with the depths of our innermost being. I am a weak, failing, selfish, carnal, impatient, unrighteous conglomeration of cells. But the eternal father of lights, the eternal creator of the universe, who directly and affirmatively identifies itself as the self-identifying, does not see me as such. God, the eternal, Yahweh, whatever descriptor we use, we are identifying the one entity in the entire universe for which there is no sameness of essential character. There is nothing for God to identify by. That's why when Moses asks the Eternal its name, the Eternal responds, Ea Asha Ea. I am who I am. That title, that identity, it's, mind-bendingly, it's a mind-bendingly powerful rational enigma. God's definition of self carries a sense of necessity, simplicity, and absoluteness. When I think what is God, I think eternal, all-powerful, omniscient, in, infinite, etc. Instead, in using this particular phrasing, God identifies himself as the self-existent one, the eternal, unique, uncreated God. God just is. He's the ultimate truth and the only necessary being. And this only necessary being does not see me as Luke, the cardinal, selfish, father of three, husband of April, dorky, Christian engineer, dying pile of self-righteous flesh. The eternal, the top of the identity pyramid, chooses to see me as he sees his own family, his own child. In seeing us as Christ, in our participation in Christ's life, both historical and present, We can be warmed in our souls, my dear family members, in the incredible power of this family. We all, as the family of God, share the sameness of ideas around the meaning of the I Am and His Son, the Messiah, and our physical manifestation of that legacy in a community of faith. In this ordering of things, you are the body of Christ. Not only are you a Christian, but you are a good shepherd. You are the gate. You are the vine that ties us all together. In choosing to identify as Christ and in building community around that identity, you become active participants in the living family of God. In so doing, you fill the basest of human needs of community and belonging. 
you are to me the light of my world. You are to me the way, the truth, and the life. When my soul is down and I'm racked with anxiousness, loneliness, self-loathing, and uncertainty, you are the light, the smile, and the warm embrace that draws me back. When my father died when I was 18, my compass was gone. My family was lost, broken, and adrift in grief and despair. It was this community that brought hope. You were our bread of life, or casserole as the case may be, that returned light and hope, that shepherded and loved us through our grief, and that guarded us with belonging. As we journey through life, and our identities grow and morph, and oftentimes our communities do too, as much as I've shared how this community has been an anchor and support for me, and have deeply valued an abiding sense of belonging, many do struggle to find that. Living in a community where we lack a sense of belonging is deeply unsettling and lonely. When we're feeling isolated, there's value in being objective about what we're missing. Realizing that the human element can still overwhelm the spirit of Christ, but we should continue to seek for that connection. For those of us who do carry a sense of belonging, it's beholden on us to ensure we're inclusive in acting like Paul to be a Jew to the Jew and a Greek to the Greek, to reach out and build community within community, actively sharing the gift of belonging and connecting with others within an identity group is truly embracing the living, the spirit of Christ in us. As we journey, we can reflect that every time we say, I am blank, that we are channeling our ordering in the family of I am, the self-defining eternal creator. And you are sharing an identity with Christ because of the unsearchable depths of grace and love of our eternal I am. And that the eternal loving creator made known to you the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank you.